Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Acts chapter 20 and verse number 13. And we went before to ship and sailed unto Asos, there intending to take Paul, for so he had appointed minding himself to go afoot. Now I just want you to realize over the next couple of verses here, there's a lot of traveling that goes on with the Apostle Paul. Remember those seven men that are with him. So they're going ahead, and Paul wants to walk it instead of be on a ship. I don't know why. Maybe he's still a little bit nervous about the, uh, the, uh, the plots of assassination, but he's going on foot. And, and so they meet up with him, verse 14. And when he met us in Asos, we took, uh, we took him in and came to Mylene, and we sailed thence and came uh, the next day over against Chios, and the next day arrived at Samos and tarried there at Trigolium. And uh, the next day we came to Miletus. And so you say, I have no clue where any of those places are, uh, let alone even try to pronounce them. And so guys, give me the map if you would, and let's just deal with that right now. And so uh, remember that they, they were up in Troas. They had that wonderful meeting up there. Man fell out of the window because Paul was preaching till midnight. He came back to the Lord, and the power of the Lord was seen in their assembly. So he's in Troas, and they're traveling down to Miletus, the green, uh, the green square there. And so all along the way from Troas down to Miletus, they're making all these stops, about one-day journeys, and they're having a layover and then getting on another ship. And so it's all these uh, little short journeys. It's like going from the Dayton Airport up to Detroit, right? Brother, uh, Brother Larry, so a little bit of a quick, uh, a quick little jog, and you're off, and you're waiting for the next, uh, next ship to arrive, and so on. So that's what's going on here. Very practical, just traveling along, and so on. So verse 16, for Paul had determined to sail to Ephesus because, a sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia, for he hasted, if it were possible for him, to be at Jerusalem uh, the day of Pentecost. And from Miletus... He sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. Elders, another word for the pastors of the churches there in Ephesus. And so verse 18, And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with tears and temptations which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews, and how I kept nothing back that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith. Toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's preaching the gospel message. Verse 22. And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, 
Now, some of you have vacation plans right this year, this summer. Um, welcome back to the Garbers. When you were going on vac a vacation, uh, you didn't intend or didn't know that a vehicle would break down and all that fun, fun stuff. So there's times where you're, you're going and not knowing what's out in the future. Paul's just saying, I don't know what's going to happen there because I'm not God. But notice what he says in verse number 23. Save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me there. That's really encouraging. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. This is the last time we're going to see each other. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure, I am pure from the blood of all men. Let's read verse 27 together. Ready, begin. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this opportunity to jump into your word and to allow it to change our lives. We ask that it would. Would it be effective? Would it change us for eternity's sake? We ask in Jesus' name, amen, and you may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. So Paul is in this final stretch of this missionary journey, this third missionary journey that you see here on the map. He's journeyed all the way from Antioch, his home church there in the red. He's journeyed through Galatia, through, uh, through Asia, where, where Ephesus is. He's journeyed up into Troas, gone across Macedonia, gone back down for the second time into Greece and Achaia, where Corinth is, and now he's you know, backtracking again the same route because there was a, um, there was a plot against his, uh, against his life, probably was going to happen on one of the ships. The Jews had plotted against his life, so he says, I'm not going to sail from Corinth right over to, uh, right over to Jerusalem, but I'm going to go by foot back, uh, back around through Macedonia. And so he is now in Miletus. He's traveled down. He's in Miletus. That's where we're going to pick up this story. We see those really practical details. He's sending those seven men ahead. They're arranging the plans. They're going up into Ephesus, calling all the leaders. They didn't have Facebook at that point. They didn't have cell phones. So a lot of footwork had to be done. And Paul's helpers, these different disciples, these men that, that, that have been led to the Lord by Paul and been discipled by Paul along the way and were working with them, were helping them in very practical details of the ministry. And now Paul is down in, in uh, Miletus and he's waiting there for the Ephesian elders, the pastors, the spiritual leaders to come over and they were going to talk together. Now, the Holy Spirit had been prompting Paul all the way along. And I really want us to catch that, that word bound that we'll deal with in a moment. He'd been prompting um, Paul along. And so Paul was getting his, his orders from headquarters, if you will, from the Holy Spirit of God. And the same way that we're to receive the, the promptings of the Holy Spirit every day, the, the same promptings that you ladies need, especially as we engage the culture in this day, the, those promptings are what are guiding Paul along. And he's traveling towards Jerusalem as quickly as he can towards the high day, the Pentecost, and, and to the start of the church. And so he's, he's wanting to get back there. And so now he's, he's pit-stopped. He's on a layover in, 
in, uh, in Miletus. Now, I want us just to think of this really practically because sometimes we get on a, we, we get on a, a, a jet and we might have a layover that's you know, eight hours long and you have to get a hotel and you have to, you have to figure out, well, you know, do I go outside of the airport? Do I stay in the airport? Do, you know, do I want to go back through security? You think through all those things. But here he is. He's on a, a layover, a voyage layover in Miletus. And it seems that he's going to be there a couple days before a ship arrives that is going to take him uh, over to Jerusalem. Now, I want us to consider um, Paul's use of time. He did not just hang out there and see the sights, um, but he, he really determined that in this time, I'm going to use it to really uh, influence this region uh, for continued usefulness and continued gospel proclamation. And so he is using this time. So he calls the Ephesian elders over. Now, it's interesting, he calls the Ephesian elders and not the Galatian elders or, or not the elders from uh, any of the other churches. He calls specifically the Ephesian elders, those pastors from that, that area over. Now, his heart was intertwined there. Uh, he had really gone back and seen some great work happen on this third missionary journey there in Ephesus. And so great work of God had happened there. But do remember that, that Ephesus is a very important city. It's a commercial seaport city. So from Ephesus, a lot of people were coming and going. So the, the, the ability for from Ephesus, the gospel to continue to sound throughout the world, that area of the world was, was very high. And so Paul focusing on the church and equipping the church for the work of the ministry and perfecting the saints for the work of the ministry and giving them the word of God uh, was very, it was time well spent. So Miletus is about 30 miles south of Ephesus. So he calls down these pastors and they're meeting together. And I don't know about you, I, I, uh, I as a kid growing up, I, um, I love being around my pastor. Um, I, I think that as God was working in my heart, there was just a natural, there was just a natural desire to hang out with my pastor. My pastor used to uh, he ran a print shop, still does, there uh, around the church for printing Bible covers, or, you know, John and Roman covers and so on. So I'd just hang with them as the, you know, that old AB, uh, AB, AB something press. I forget, uh, uh, any, any printers in here? No? Okay, so anyway, it was very mechanical press, not, not computerized at all. And he cleaned all those rollers, you know, make the metal plates, and watched all that, and I'd just hang around with him. But you know what? Uh, when pastors would get to go do things that pastors did, in, in my heart, it's like, you know, I wish I could go along. I wish I could be at that, that, that gathering of pastors and so on. And I don't know about you, but um, maybe you've thought about that. Pastor is at that meeting, and he was at that meeting. It'd be kind of cool to be a, you know, a mouse in the corner and just kind of watch what goes on at a pastor's meeting, okay? Uh, I want us to consider here this morning that the Holy Spirit allows you to be a mouse in the corner at a pastor's meeting. Legitimately. Because as Paul calls these pastors over from Ephesus, he's talking to them as an apostle, uh, one that had witnessed the resurrected Christ, and he's talking as, a, as one that God had ordained to be a part of the founding of the church, about the planting of the church. He is now talking to pastors you say, well, I can check out now because I'm not a pastor. No, you need to hear this because the Holy Spirit wanted you to, right? You need to hear this. And so for the next two times we're in the book of Acts, or the next three times, depending on how far we get today, um, we're going to deal with being inside this pastor's meeting and hearing what Paul is challenging these pastors, these elders from Ephesus, what he's challenging them about. And what it's going to help you understand is, is Paul's value of the church, his own ministry philosophy, and what ought to characterize your personal ministry philosophy. His 
his look towards the future and, and what he was planning to do for God and how he, he was still committed to it and how you ought to be considering your future and your future ministry path as well as what did he say to these pastors? What were they to be doing there in Ephesus as they led and encouraged and, and shepherded the flock of God there in, in Ephesus? And so we're going to see that this is very relevant content to us today. And I want us to also walk away with this just realizing what we're a part of as a church, this isn't just some gathering. This, this is very different than just some gathering at a restaurant or some gathering in some sort of local, local club or local, uh, local organization. It's very, very different than that. This is the church of the living God that you've assembled in today and that we, we are. It's not this building, but we are the church, the assembled church of God, and it's really important, and God thinks it is so important that you and I would understand what pastors need to understand about this of the church and what they need to be challenged about that he gives us uh, verses 13 through verse number 38 uh, this pastor's conference this pastor's meeting paul speaking to them and so uh, if you are interested in in diving into this content would you say amen all right, and for the rest of you, I hope you just come along, all right? So let's, let's dive in because I, I'm going to enjoy it, and I hope you will enjoy it uh, before the end of the day. Now, understand this. Uh, Ephesus, as an influential city, Paul was very strategic with his influence and extending his influence by leading leaders. You ought to thank God for any time that, that your pastor or someone can invest in, like a Paul, I have many older men uh, that, that have invested in my life. Many of them have been in this pulpit. One of the men, the next Sunday, the man that's going to come and teach us on Baptist history, he has invested in my life. I remember coming down from Toledo, Ohio, and, and just calling him up on the spur of the moment, hey, uh, could I stop in and see you? And I stopped in, and he spent two hours investing in my life. And I walked away filled up in my heart. He gave me a cup of coffee in his office, and he just taught, we talked Bible and talked ministry, and he invested it in my heart. Why is he coming? I, I trust him, and, he, and, and he's a man that God has specifically uh, used to not just help me, but has a grasp on, on church history and a grasp on the Bible, and he'll be a help to you. But uh, praise the Lord for those that invest in, in, in preachers' lives. And so Paul is investing in them. Why? Because by leading leaders, he would extend his influence. Uh, earlier this year during our revival meetings, we had Brother Billy Ingram here. You remember him? Uh, and, and on that Tuesday, we had preachers that came in from the, across Ohio, and we allowed, uh, we allowed them just to come with their families, and, and the Word of God was preached to them, and they were encouraged, and we fed them a meal, and your kitchen ladies put together the most amazing box lunch ever and, and fed it to them. And what were we doing? We were investing in leaders. We were leading leaders, encouraging leaders, and the, the ladies were encouraged. And, and, and as leaders are encouraged, so the congregations are encouraged. So Paul couldn't call the whole city of Ephesus down to Miletus, but he could call the leaders down. And by encouraging them and investing in them, he really encouraged and invested in the whole church and, and exploded his influence, exploded the influence of the word in their lives. And so I want us to see what he gives to them first of all, verses 18 through 21. What is he going to invest in their lives? What is he going to give to them? And first of all, notice he gives them his personal ministry philosophy. So that sounds really highfalutin. All right, let's break it down. So notice here in verse number 18. What does highfalutin mean? And when they were come to him, he said to, unto them, Ye know 
from the first day that I came into Asia, that's the region, after what, what is the next word? All right, I need more than one person to look at their Bible this morning, all right? Here we go. Ye know that from the first day that I came into Asia, after what? All right, very good. We're catching on. I have been with you at all seasons, okay? So that word manner, well, first of all, he says, listen, you know something. You've observed this. You, you have realized this. You, you have vi- you've been able to be a part of this. And so he says, you know this. You've observed it. And Paul understood that someone is always watching him. By the way, someone is always watching you. Older men, someone is always watching you in this church. Older women, mature women, someone is always watching you. Young people, teenagers, someone is always watching you. And Paul understood this. He says, you know this. You've seen it. But he says, you've seen my manner after what manner. Do you know what manner is? My philosophy, the way I go about things, the way that I approach decisions, the way that I go about the ministry, the way that I go about preaching the gospel, and the way that I go about dealing and confronting sin in the church, the way that I go about things, the manner. And so Paul had a certain approach to the ministry that Christ had given to him. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 1 and verse number 12, Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me. He's enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And so he says, how do I approach this ministry that God has put me in? Well, this is how I approach it. First of all, as a servant of the Lord. As a servant of the Lord. Look at verse number, uh, look at verse number 19. And he says, serving the Lord. Say that out loud with me. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind. With all humility of mind. He says, I, I approach the ministry as a servant of the Lord. This is what drives me. This is my, my philosophy. I'm a servant of the Lord in Ephesus when I was there. I'm a servant of the Lord in Macedonia and in Corinth, but specifically in your situation, Ephesian pastors, I'm a servant of the Lord. I'm a servant of the Lord. I count myself as one who is in the bonds of service. I'm a, I'm a doulos. I am a bond slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, many of the epistles open up with Paul saying just that. I'm not an apostle. He, he talks about that. But he, he, he identifies himself as a servant of the Lord. That's a pretty great identifier. And nothing, nothing can be greater than for us to say, I am a servant of the Lord. I'm a servant of the Lord. This was something that the way that Paul went about the ministry, the idea of of serving the Lord is this was the manner, this was the tool by which he went about the ministry. God had given him a ministry, and the way that he engaged in that ministry was by serving the Lord, by being a slave, a bond slave to the Lord. That was the way that he went about it. And so Paul did not say that he was serving the people of Ephesus. He did say that you saw me, you observed me serving the Lord. And when we are serving the Lord, serving people will not be a burden. When we are serving the Lord, serving people will not be a burden. Friends, one of the reasons sometimes in church ministry, one of the reasons it becomes a burden is because you've lost sight of who you're serving. I'm so tired. Jesus was weary for us. But I've had to sacrifice so much, he gave his whole life. But I can't believe I have to do this for people. Jesus served everyone. 
what did Jesus not give up for you and I? And sometimes the reason we have weariness set into us and, 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 and emotionally just down and drained in the service of the Lord is because we forgot that we are actually serving the Lord. And we need to approach our ministry, your ministry, your opportunity to serve God through this place and in this place and to serve one another. And I'm not serving people. And I'm not serving a church. I'm serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm serving him. I'm not just serving children that may not listen to me all the time. I'm serving the Lord. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and I also and ourselves your servants for on Jesus' sake. He told the Corinthian believers, I'm a servant to you, not for your sake, but for Jesus' sake. I'm a servant of the Lord in Ephesus. But Paul also was a a humble servant of the Lord. He says there, with all humility, where? In words? In words? What is it? All humility of mind. Humility always starts in in the heart. It always starts in the mind. For Paul, it started there. In his mind, he wasn't somebody. In his mind, he wasn't puffed up. In his mind, he was there in Ephesus as a humble servant of the Lord, serving the Lord by serving the people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and by discipling and helping them along. John the Baptist said in John 3 and verse number 30, I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. I must decrease. Where, where does that all start? It starts in the mind. It starts with the heart of humility. Lord, I'm nothing compared to you. Reality Humility is not thinking less of self as much as it is thinking more of God. More of God. Where do you view yourself in relation to God today? How do you view yourself? Uh, We hear so much about have self-esteem, high self-esteem. And you know what? If you have the right view of God, and if you allow God's view of you to really grab a hold of your heart, you will have all the esteem that you need. You will have the right thinking about yourself that you need. But when you chase after self-esteem, boy, it's, just, it's like chasing a rolling donut, as they used to say. It's just you know, something I, I can't really get after. I, I cannot just um, get after it. It is something that, that I cannot get to. It is something that keeps chasing away from me. I, I, I can't really get it. It's like the donkey chasing after a carrot. Can't get it. Because Paul was humbly serving the Lord, he was not thrown by the persecution that was going to come because he says here, it wasn't just serving the Lord with all humility of mind, but it was serving with tears and temptations which befell me when there were plots against my soul. I want you to consider this As a servant of the Lord who served him humbly, Paul had also accepted that a part of his portion allotted to him was going to be suffering. Friends, can I just tell you right now that the heathen are not really happy with those that claim to follow Jesus Christ? And they're not really thrilled about what's happened this week. And there is a growing sentiment against those that name the name of Jesus Christ. 
And do we realize that persecution will come to our nation? And as you take a stand for godliness, persecution will come to us. And just understand, Paul, as a humble servant of the Lord, said, my portion is also suffering. Philippians 1.29, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Also to suffer for his sake. Matthew 10 and verse 24, The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. Jesus suffered, so we will suffer as well. And so we must serve like Paul with this philosophy. I'm a servant of the Lord. And I do it with humility of mind. It starts in the mind. It starts in the heart. We don't serve the Lord out of convenience. We don't serve the Lord out of, for compliments. We don't serve the Lord with self-confidence, but Christ's confidence. We must serve the Lord, understanding there is a cost to serving the Lord. There is a sacrifice involved in serving the Lord and being found in fashion as a man. He, Jesus, humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. There, there is a, there's a, a cost to serving, just like there was a cost for our Lord. There will be a cost to us. Whether or not that costs our lives, we don't, we don't know, but certainly, uh, certainly popularity in society, certain reputation might, uh, will be, but there may be physical ramifications, physical suffering and sacrifice that comes our way because we serve the Lord with humility. But may this philosophy of the Apostle Paul, I'm a, serving, a servant of the Lord with humility in my heart, be our philosophy too. But notice as we continue on, how did Paul approach the ministry as a servant of the Lord, but also as a steward of his word. Would you notice 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 19? That God was in Christ. Amen. God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing or accounting their trespasses unto them. How is that so? Uh, and committed unto, uh, have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So through the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, he made a way so that our sins are no longer put against our account, but they were put on Christ's account, and his, his righteousness was put into our account, and we are now made free because of the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. An amazing transaction that was made, and he has committed that same word that brings that same deliverance to, um, to human beings all throughout the world, he's committed that word, that word of reconciliation. How did Paul approach the ministry? What was his philosophy? I'm a steward of this word of reconciliation. I'm a steward of the word. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 1, let a man so account of us. Who? Preachers? Of us as the ministers of Christ, the servants of Christ, and as stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, God's mysteries are not to be shielded and held away from us. He, he intends for us to understand in time, and he's revealed that mystery through preaching in these days. That's what he says in the book of Galatians. So he says here in 1 Corinthians to the Corinthian church, I, I am a steward of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And Paul understood his own responsibility to be found faithful as a steward of the mystery of God. The mystery of the gospel. And so he says here in verse number 20, how I've kept nothing back from you. The way that I approach the ministry, 
uh, pastors, is that I held nothing back from you. As I came into Ephesus and began to preach the word, I didn't hold anything back. I didn't think, well, you know what? They might not be happy about this truth, so I'll just hold it back. They might not be happy about separating from their idols, so I'll just hold it back. They can have Jesus and the goddess Diana as well. They can have Jesus in the curious arts as well. They can have Jesus in their witchcraft as well. They can have Jesus and their music as well. no, I didn't hold anything back from you. You have Jesus and your sexual immorality as well. No, he did not hold anything back from them. Whatever he, whatever was in the word and whatever was according to his word, he gave it to them without hesitation. The idea of held nothing back is he didn't shrink back. He didn't, uh, he was not unwilling in his heart. He didn't hesitate. There was a boldness that the Holy Spirit gave him, and there was a decision on his part. I will preach the whole counsel of God. I will give them everything they need. Why? Because it brings liberty. The truth sets people free. And we live in a day where they're telling us the truth hurts people. No, the truth has never hurt people. It helps people. Oh, how we need to bring the truth. The truth. You might feel even in a moment ago that me speaking about abortion, that's, you know, speaking those things are, are not helpful. Friends, the truth helps people and it sets free. If you're shackled in the bondage of a past mistake and sin, truth sets you free. Jesus sets you free. He doesn't want you wallowing in guilt. He doesn't want you to stay there. He has a beautiful, beautiful purpose. And he is still the God of Romans 8.28. And he works all things together for good to them that love him. He can take a past mistake and make you a trophy of grace and allow you to impact so many other people with your story and, and his grace upon your life. It's an amazing thing. And so Paul held nothing back. He didn't shield the truth. He was not slothful in business. He was fervent in spirit. He served the Lord. He was just all into this. He held nothing back that would be advantageous to them. He gave them all the word. And a true minister of the word does not seek his own profit and shield himself, but it seeks the profit of others. He seeks the profit of those he's ministering to. Hey, Ephesian pastors, make sure that you're doing as I did and make sure that you're seeking the advantage of the people that are in, uh, in the, the assembly and help them along, help furnish them unto all good works by the word of God. So Paul stewarded the word without hesitation, but he stewarded the word by announcing it, by educating the believers and educating the people there in Ephesus and by bearing witness. Notice he says, I've showed you, I've announced to you, I've, I've proclaimed to you, I've brought back a message from God. And, and, and so the way that he was going about serving the Lord and the way that he was going, uh, going about uh, uh, holding nothing back was that he showed them. He declared to them the message that God had given to them. He also taught them. He imparted the skills. He helped them to understand. How did he do it? He did it from house to house. He did it publicly. And just understand, a lot of times we go there, and you might have heard some people say, well, this means that we should go door-to-door soul winning. Certainly that's a part of it. It's great, a great application. But there were, they didn't have meeting places like this. And so there was, there was a sense that there were gatherings happening in houses, the assemblies. That's why there was likely multiple pastors of all these different assemblies of the, the body of Jesus Christ throughout this city that was, was a pretty large city. And so he says, I've gone from house to house, to assembly to assembly, and I've taught you the word, and I've, I've shared it with you publicly, and I, I've taught you and imparted the skills, the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I've done it without prejudice. I've done it to the Jews, and I've done it to the Greeks. Boy, aren't we living in a divided day? 
God has always been against racism. Amen? Racism is a sin against holy God. He's created us all in the image of God. And Paul announces here the big racial divide was between the Greeks and the Jews. The Gentiles and the Jews. Jews didn't like them, and, and, the, and the, uh, the Gentiles didn't like the, um, the Greeks, and so you, uh, uh, the Jews, and so you had this, this hostility back and forth. And you know what? The gospel brings a blessed unity, a blessed unity, uh, right within the assembly of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no, God is not a respecter of persons. He, your skin color does not matter. Praise God, we're all one in the Lord Jesus Christ. If we place our faith in him, we're all one. We can get along, we can love one another. And praise the Lord for that. And so we, we live in a culture that's very divided, right? Do we not? There's constant racial divide. Is there not? You all, you all seen the same culture I'm seeing? Constant. It ought not be. It ought not be. He gave the gospel. Every person deserves a chance to receive the gospel. Every person. And so he gives it to them all. And he's going house to house and publicly. And by the way, we should continue to spread the gospel everywhere we go and teach the wonderful truths of the Lord everywhere we go, from house to house, publicly, and in every way, publicly out in the community. Uh, it, I remember last year, 9-11, had the opportunity to speak at the 9-11 memorial, and uh, the Lord burdened my heart that I would preach the gospel on that day. And so I preached the gospel. It wasn't a long time that I got to do it, but right in the middle of, uh, of town, got to preach the gospel to this, on the, those that had gathered from the city. You know, we have another opportunity coming up on, on July the 10th. We'll uh, speak at a, a rally concerning this whole, uh, the, the pro-life uh, movement on a Sunday afternoon. And by God's grace, I want to just share uh, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ publicly in that way. And we ought to do the same as a church publicly, everywhere we go, taking the gospel everywhere we can possibly go. And so I want us to notice one more thing, though, as we, as we wrap this up this morning. I want us to know that, that, that as he preached the gospel from house to house and publicly. Notice in verse number 21. Are you all there with me? Read it out loud. I don't want you to be asleep now. Uh, read it out loud. Verse number 21. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. All right? So we have this subject of repentance and faith, okay, that often comes up in Scripture. And I just want to touch on it just for a moment before we, we uh, wrap this up. I want us to realize that, that God puts both of those words in Scripture, right? Now, the, the false religions have taken repentance and they have talked about turning over a, a new leaf. That if you repent, you stop sinning, that then you'll be good enough for God and, and you, can, you can gain his favor. That is not biblical repentance. All right, can, can I get a witness there? That is not biblical repentance. Biblical repentance is a change of mind that results in a change of direction. Okay, so here's, here's the idea. Paul testified, bore witness to the Ephesian believers who were going to the temple of Diana, who were worshiping, buying idols, uh, from Demetrius, worshiping Diana and Artemis in their homes and, 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 and fully engul uh, engulfed in a culture, engaged in a culture that was godless and heathen and pagan. And they were, they were fully invested in that. They were invested in, in books of witchcraft and, and, and curious arts and all the, the just the, the, the symptoms of their sinfulness and their sin nature and their separation from God. They were fully engaged in that. 
And Paul comes along and preaches the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, says, hey, by faith we are saved through grace, and then not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so he preaches this wonderful gospel that Jesus already went to the cross, and he died for you, and he offers you full forgiveness of your sins. And if you believe on him, he'll give you eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. And so what do we have? These Ephesians hear this message. The Holy Spirit's working in their hearts and saying, yep, that guy's right. That's the message. And he's convicting the heart. He's convincing them of sin, their sin, of righteousness, Christ's righteousness, and of judgment to come, their accountability before God. And they have a decision to make. Do I continue in my way or do I place faith in Jesus Christ? And friends, what I want you to catch this morning, that faith and repentance are two sides of one coin. You catch what I say? Faith and repentance is two sides of one coin. As they, as they turn to Jesus Christ, biblical repentance happened. They received Jesus Christ. They didn't continue on in their curious arts. Now, the idea that you have to reform before you come to Christ is an anti-biblical, uh, uh, anti-biblical doctrine. So we do not change ourselves, repent, 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 in order to be good enough for Christ. But as we turn to Jesus Christ in faith, there is repentance. There is a change of mind that happens that results in a change of direction. I embrace you. I don't embrace that anymore. I embrace you. And as we continue to follow after Jesus Christ, he continues to clean us up from the old life. And the evidence of our turning to Jesus Christ or faith in Jesus Christ should become more and more clear as we get closer and closer to Jesus as we go along in our relationship. So do you understand that words matter? And there's words in Scripture that even false religions have taken and they've twisted to mean something else. So as we talk about repentance around here, it, we're not talking about a work. We're not talking about a work that merits, uh, merits God's favor. We're talking about a change of heart that is I place faith in Jesus Christ. I can't get to heaven on my own. I can't work for it. That idol doesn't save me. This witchcraft doesn't help me out. I fully place faith in Jesus Christ. And in that very act, two sides and one coin, there is repentance that, is, um, that has happened. There's been a change of mind that results in a change of direction. And so uh, this is the wonderful work of the Holy Spirit of God, not something that, that, that I uh, do on my own other than I place faith in Jesus Christ. I respond to him in the message of the gospel and faith. And so here's the question, as Paul testifies this, are we faithful ministers, fervent ministers of the gospel, testifying the gospel in our community? Friends, the only way that Ephesus changed was when, when the Ephesians were allowing God to change their lives, make them more Christ-like, and following after him, and then it began to change the culture as God changed them. Listen, we live in a, a culture that's very sinful, and we can get mad at that sin. We can, we can get upset that sinners sin, or we can do something about it. Let God change us so that we can help them. And this week, we have that opportunity. You have that opportunity. Ladies, we have that opportunity. Why don't you pray this week that God would cross your path with some single mom or some lady that's struggling this week? And that you would have the opportunity to, to help them and testify the wonderful grace of God in, in, in the gospel to them and help them, just like Paul helped the Ephesian um, believers. So as, as we bring this to a, a close, just understand Paul is bearing his ministry philosophy, which was, first of all, I am a servant of the Lord. Say that with me. I am a servant of the Lord. That's how I approach the ministry. I'm not serving people. I do as I serve the Lord. 
but I'm a servant of the Lord. Are you a servant of the Lord today? Are you content with being a servant, a bond slave of the Lord? It's okay if I get mistreated. It's okay if I face suffering because I'm a servant of the Lord. I, I want to serve him with all humility. And number two, I am a steward of the word. How are you stewarding the word? How are you stewarding the word? Well, it starts as we leave this place today. Well, I have my word with me today. Not, not enough. We're being strengthened in the word right now. But we need to steward it. A steward uses the word. A steward is a manager. He takes something that has been given to him, put in his custody, his commitment, and now shares it with others. You have the life-changing word. You have the message of the gospel that is able to change a person's very destiny, their life, give them hope, give them peace, give them joy. You have that word in your hands. It's nigh you. It's, it's with you. You have it. And now you get to go out as our sign says, as you lead the property, it says you're entering the mission field. Why? Because you're entering the mission field. Now take the word and be a good steward of the word. So Paul was a, number one, a servant of the Lord, out loud together, a servant of the Lord. And number two, he was a steward of the word. And that's what he did. That's how he approached the ministry. And that's not just for pastors, because God has made every one of us, Ephesians chapter four, a minister. And you have a ministry that God has given to you. And so let's take Paul's philosophy and apply it into our lives. Let's ask the Lord to help us with that. Let's stand together in prayer. I'm going to give you an opportunity, an opportunity to come and commit that to the Lord. I don't know about you. I certainly need his help, and I need his prompting this week. Father, we as your people are going to bow before you, make some commitments, some decisions, may simply be, Lord, that we make the decision to clearly announce to you and to others that we are your servant. We don't need, we don't need help. Uh, we don't need to be uh, applauded in any way, but we're going to be your servants. And Lord, I pray that you'd also help us as your people to consider the fact that we are stewards of your word. So Lord, right now as we pray and seek you, I pray that you would work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. As the, as the music plays, why don't you come and find a place to pray. Lord, help me to be a steward of your word. Help me to be a servant of the Lord. I commit myself in that way. Let's pray. Let's seek the Lord right now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.